With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Still kicks goes. He's through. He scored. Kicks. He's at the goal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Strategy Cast. My name is Dale O'Donnell, your host again. Um, last week we reviewed the se- or previewed the season and the game against Leicester, which United came out with three points, winning two one. We've uh, Jonathan on the show again this week, and we've a new guest, Raman. Raman, how are you? Do you? Want to give yourself a brief introduction? Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, yes, uh, my name is Raman, and. Uh, uh, on Twitter and social networking, Roman Seven Four. So, uh, first time with you guys, and thank you very much, Dale, for uh, for having me, and uh, and thank you, Johnny, as well. Pleasure. No, absolutely, Raman. You're, you're kind of. I always see pictures of you at youth games, and you, your interest isn't just in, in the first team. You you follow United at all ages. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that's something that um, I, I don't get as much time all the time to do so due to obviously other commitments. But as and when I do, I, I absolutely uh, enjoy taking in the experience of seeing how the youth is progressing, what's going on behind the scenes where mm. possible. Um, and again, just trying to understand that, you know, is the culture of the club still remaining? Is it changing direction? Is, is there a changing wind? Um, so, and it's always good to keep keep uh, in touch with obviously what is going on at other levels rather than just on the first team so yeah I mean it's uh, it's interesting and it and it is good to take in a lot of the youth team games I do enjoy that to be fair yeah no matter how many people show up at Old Trafford 75,000 or not I could bump into to Raman maybe two or three times aside the ground on match day we always seem to, to bump into one another um, <laughs> yeah know, absolutely it's, it's, it's always good to yeah, sure. Look, that's that's the 
the main thing I take from this is, is meeting fellow Reds and, and, and having that discussion and that's what we're going to have today. So um, you're at the game against Leicester, Ramon. Just was what were the main points you took from it? I think if I can keep it quite brief and concise from my perspective, I mean, uh, and from what the the view was from people sitting in and around me, the first five ten minutes seemed absolutely fine. Mm. You know, obviously we got the uh, early penalty, which was dispatched quite coolly by uh, Pogba, which was fantastic start. It just seemed to wane for me after that. Um, there there didn't seem to be as much uh, going up up top where I think Alexis must have given the ball away. Umpteen times, um, and I think I stopped counting at about four hundred and thirty. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I think to be fair, um, I mean, obviously, when I'm at the game, uh, at, the, at the games, I never ever get on the players' backs. That's just not the way I I, uh, I like to sort of operate. But I yeah. can understand the frustrations of many fans around me as well. Um, I mean, it just nothing was sticking to him. And simple five, ten-yard passes, which you'd expect not only him, but any top professional to make, they just weren't coming off. And I think during the course of the game, I think maybe two passes max I could remember. One was later on to Lukaku, which obviously was a nice, clever pass. But again, you'd expect that. Um, so, yeah, apart from the first five, ten minutes where I was very, very happy, um, the rest of it was very, very hit and miss. And in fact, there's lots of parts where I was thinking... Um, any minute now Leicester are going to equalise even when we went 2-0 up I always felt that the Leicester were going to score which obviously they did and they could have quite easily have made it 2 all to be fair so I was I was disappointed with the remainder of the game apart from the, probably the first 10 minutes one thing I have to say that really really pleased me was to see uh, Andreas Pereira's performance um, here's a guy who historically has been much more attack minded as a as a attacking midfielder or as a number 10. He certainly played a lot more offensive in his career. Um, and even at Valencia, he hasn't necessarily played as a number six or as a holding midfielder. But he impressed me greatly, to be fair. His attitude was great. Yeah. Didn't shirk out of tackles. Positionally, he was he was superb, I thought. Um, and I actually thought that he moved the ball a lot quicker than what we would normally have when Matic is sitting in front of the back four. Yeah. Um, so I think just... Not only the ball retention, but also the the speed of thought of releasing the ball appropriately and quickly to get the attack started. So that pleased me, to be fair. Something you briefly touched on there about the opening 10 or so minutes that you were satisfied with. And then the rest of the game, the passing wasn't right. You were kind of expecting Leicester to to score. That, that, That pretty much sums up even the majority of games last season. Um, yeah, do you know, uh, and pe- people say no, it's only the start of the season. Why are you being so negative in the pre? It's only pre season when we're in America. The reason people were, were so pessimistic about the new campaign was they were seeing the same thing again, and and there wasn't new signs to come in to change that yeah. um, of the marquee pedigree that people wanted. But your point on Pereira, absolutely, and that thing about being quicker, and I think that's something really identified lacking in the team last season was we weren't quick enough for getting the ball forward therefore yeah. the attacking players weren't getting the service and although they were poor against Leicester Sanchez had, had a nightmare I give Sanchez some credit because it looked like he, w- he was really working hard off the ball he was trying he was trying Rashford yeah. pulled up early and I thought that he could have maybe came off but he tried to 
walk it off and he, he seemed okay but he, he didn't have much influence in the game whatsoever and uh, as for Mata the right flank as a whole with Darmian um, was a weak link and I, I think let's try to, to take advantage of that um, would you echo any of those points Jonathan or any other points you, you took from the game I, I wouldn't offer any argument against any of that it all sounds fairly accurate I think the other positive for me was the combination of buying Lindelof at the back mm. that although Leicester continued to put us under pressure they were so composed dealing with things that came through the centre no rash tackles just a confidence that this is their area they know how to protect it they know how to do the job they've been given to do and the amount of times where we've seen like say Jones in particular fly in like some sort of kamikaze tackle and give the game away for us so many times the lads could have done that with the pacier members of Leicester's attack trying to get in behind and they just played with the kind of composure and organisation that just meant there was very little actual created by Leicester and all the pressure they put us on because they just marshalled that back line quite tightly and we've not seen that consistently for some time so if the lads are able to stay fit and carry on like that if we actually get functional full backs that don't make me cry when their name's mentioned in the starting lineup, then we might not be in as bad a position as some people think. Yeah look I thought the performance, the partnership between Bali and Lindelof was a big positive for me and yeah. it, it, it's very very important that those two get a consistent run together because it any centre-back pairing is not going to work if you're going to be chopping and changing. And if, as fans do, it, it's hard for us to kind of evaluate, and I'm sure the manager, who which partnership is actually best until you yeah. get a chance of working consistently with two defenders. And I think, as things stand, they are our best two centre-halves, and we yeah. have to try and make that work. Now, Bali, at times, he does jump in, but look... He's 23, he's still young, he's still yeah. in the game, but he's so many attributes to his game. I think that he could become a world class defender. Um, Absolutely. Lindelof, at times, I think he can struggle when it comes to playing against aggressive centre forwards, but yeah. his physique and his size, he was, he was able to use that. And with Bali's pace beside him, they yeah. accompany each other really, really well. I mean, exactly this. I, I don't, unfortunately, take enough prescription medication to sit here and say that this is definitely the two that will see us through the next five or ten mm. years but what they gave me on Friday was an indication that the, the potential I, I see much more potential in them as a duo than I did at certain periods last season where be it injured at just anything as complicated as sneezing or just looking so, more so in Lindelof's case, out of his depth any time the ball came near him. There just seems to have been sort of a little bit of a transition over the summer where, obviously, in Lindelof's case, he's gone and had a fantastic World Cup. That can only build your confidence that you've gone and played on that stage and done yourself more than justice. You're going to come back to your day job with a bit more belief in your ability to do it. Ramon, oh, yep. on Lindelof, I mm-hmm. I always had the view last season that when he came to United, I, I thought we were signing a good player. 
I, I always felt it was a lot more the reason he, he struggled to settle in was to do with perhaps stage fright the size of the club the size of walking yeah. out at Old Trafford is massive and it's going to take time to get used to and people need to understand that so people are writing them off way too soon do you think that um, this season could be the making of Lindelof if he can stay fit? Do you know it's interesting because where I sit usually the, the warm-ups happen quite close by and last season on numerous occasions um, you know, he'd come over and have a chat in particular with Bojan Djordic. Um, and obviously, the, the fact that uh, when he used to come up, his demeanour, etc. Actually, never gave me any belief that he was nervous or had stage fright of any sort. Um, I think with any partnership, whether it's up top, whether it's a pairing, whether it's a right winger with a right back, whether it's uh, centre halves, it needs time. Um, and the partnership needs to mature and develop so that obviously understanding between each other, communication, all those key attributes. And of course, confidence plays. I mean, Johnny made a great point there, which I was going to allude to as well. The fact that the World Cup itself heralded a good time for, for Victor Lindelof could only be good for the club. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of other players that have played for their countries that will come back feeling, you know, almost... Uh, uh, 10 foot tall and in, in Lindelof's case I thought he'd done very well there was a couple of moments to be fair in the first half where I was like mm, this is a bit shaky but again you have to credit uh, Leicester centre forward number 10 Madison uh, I thought uh, I thought he, he really really played well to very fair. good very good yeah, yeah. yeah but, it's, but it's debutant he was incredible for his first game in that league and just his just his confidence and composure that actually doing the job yes. they brought him in to do, he he already looks like a player that's only going to be at Leicester for a limited amount of time. So yeah, he had great energy, great exuberance, and I and I have to say some of his uh, some of his uh, movement off the ball was very intelligent, very very. Uh, actually, I, I think that he made it easier for them not to miss Vardy for for eighty odd minutes or so. Yeah. Um. So I thought he'd done well. But back to Lindelof and Bayer, I think. What we've got here is a potential for a partnership, as you've you've quite correctly pointed out. You know that yeah. moving forward, okay, they might not be pulling up trees at the moment, but there is that potential. By is very rash at times, and I have to say, yeah. I've made I've made that very very obvious in the past that I think sometimes his his judgment calls can be you know borderline, and you're almost yeah. worrying that one bad tackle is going to be a penalty or a red card. Well, I mean, so, it, it, I think part of the trouble for me with him is. Mm-hmm. It almost seems to be that when his bad tackles are bad, it's not even the red card or the penalty. It's the injury he ends up giving himself mm. in how badly he executes these things that the majority of times we've missed him for however many weeks or months. Yeah, It'll more often than not be a result of his own tackle that went wrong rather than something that's... I think that's yeah, called yeah. Phil Jones syndrome. I mean, this is it. Phil, bless him, he, he could fracture a collarbone eating a marshmallow. It's just <laughs> a unique gift that no one else has. Well, 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 anyway. well, let's just hope that moving forward, you know, the the for the season ahead in particular, now that there's no centre-half that's been signed before deadline day, yeah, um, you know, you can only hope that they get a consistent run of games, you know, a yeah. good... At least ten, twelve games on the trot. Yeah, um, like that. because because let, let's be honest. If you're 
a pairing or even a centre forward, the last thing you want is, you know, you play a couple of games, then you're dropped for whatever reason, yeah. or there's a little shuffle around. And, you know, in particular, if it's injuries, you can understand. If it's not an injury, then yeah, then it's then it's disheartening. Exactly. Um, but but I mean, obviously, I've, I've got the impression that Lindelof's much more the ice cool man, and obviously yeah. by where he's quite aggressive in his challenges and he likes that physical challenge. You know, if if we played the likes of say Tottenham and you got Harry Kane, yeah. for example, you know that you'd rather have uh, Bailly onto Kane rather than uh, Lindelof onto Kane. Yeah. To be fair, but I mean, this is it. It's, it's that lovely old cliche that sometimes you just need that fire and ice, which is what you had in Rio and Vidic. You had you one guy who would quite happily punch his way through a wall and the other one who was just yeah velvet it, it just you need sometimes that contrast in your back two that are like so, 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 so opposite so, just, yeah so basically in summary what we're saying is not signing the centre half potentially could be a blessing in disguise to to let these two blossom and not, as, as Raman said they're not pulling up trees at the moment but yeah Mourinho went out and he signed two centre halves since he's come in. He spent over thirty million on Bowen. The, the, the both yeah. are the players we're talking about. Now, if he went out and he signed fifty plus on another one, that would mean one of those players is likely to be left out. Um, yeah. That's not a good situation. So, if he can make the most out of this defensive partnership, Mourinho, it could be a blessing in disguise. Um, yeah. Another situation surrounding Mourinho, we're going to move on to, is the Mourinho and Pogba. <laughs> Situation, um, and it is a situation, and it has been for some time. It, it's not something that's brewed over the summer. It's been going on since last season, really. Um, with both people, both people's camps briefing different things, um, clearly against one another. But but Pogba kind of shocked people at the weekend when, after being given captaincy, after a really good solid performance in which he, he scored the open goal from the penalty, um. And really kind of led United throughout the game. He came out afterwards and said he couldn't say exactly what he thought because he'd be fined. And um, this came after Mourinho described his performance as monster-like. You know, so there was a clear contrast in in their views. Mourinho seemed to kind of want to to get over this hill with with the player by handing the captaincy by praising him afterwards, whereas Pogba, while he did the business in the pitch. He um he was clearly unhappy afterwards. What's been brewing? Um, Raman, what do, where do you stand on this? Do you think there's, there's anything in it, or are you dismissing it as as us media folk making a mountain out of a molehill? I don't think uh, you can dismiss anything at the moment, but at the same time, you can't read far too much into anything either. Um, that you know the old saying goes, "There's no smoke without fire," and I think that's that's quite true in this case. From my understanding, this has been the case for probably eight, nine months. You know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, definitely. It's been going on for about eight, nine months, as far as I'm aware. And like that's, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Mister in the know account or anything like yeah. that. But, yeah. but obviously, you get, you know, you, you get vibes and you get sort of wind of something. Uh, and I got wind of something at the start of the year. Now, for me, unless those quotes can be attributed to Pogba definitively and say, yep, this was when he said it and this is what he said. Of course, you can't take it too serious. I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but if this was said somewhere specifically, I haven't 
heard it myself. And if it's a so-called respected journalist, great. I'd love to know who. But I don't know exactly what Pogba has or hasn't said. What I, what I will say is that I know Jose has had a lot of detractors, and in particular for his style of football. They don't like this. They don't like his demeanour. It's quite interesting because from what I can gather in the summer, whilst they were away on tour, the harmony in the camp was absolutely fantastic. Wait, they the always oh, yeah. Yeah. In, in everything they did and sort of was captured everything, be it sort of the youngsters doing their initiation song Correct. or just the yes. mood in like the training camp that you saw. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anyone like I know what it's like to be utterly miserable and dying a slow death in a job that you hate. Yeah. You couldn't look at a single player involved in that tour and tell me at any stage that they came across that way. They looked happy to be there, happy to be involved. Yeah, but like yeah, mo- mo- most of them were youngsters getting a chance to, to train exactly. with Green, the first team. So, you know, the main stars weren't there, you know, the, the Pogba, yeah. the Lukaku's and stuff. And the issue is with Pogba. Yeah. Um, and I suppose I suppose one player you can allude to is Luke Shaw, and he gave a, yeah. an excellent interview to ESPN and how Mourinho um, helped him last season and was texting throughout the summer and how he was working hard and changing diets and stuff. That that's fantastic, and I, I've heard nothing to suggest that the the dressing room was turned against Mourinho or is any any sourness. It just seems that there might be two, three players that, that aren't happy. Right. And to be honest, every team I think suffers with that, but it's just a shame that at the moment, United seems that there's two pretty big names and that's Paul Pogba and Anthony Martial. And, you know, with this Pogba situation, Barcelona are really sniffing, are allegedly sniffing around with yeah. a week or so left with their transfer window. Um, we, were, we covered in the blog that Paul Pogba and Martial would be going nowhere this, this month. They've been told they're going nowhere. Um, and anyway, you know, you know, you cannot say Paul Pogba without having a, a an immediate replacement. It, no. it, there's no way it, it, it sets our season up for a nosedive. I think. Um, if oh, that, but if, beyond any doubt, it, it would, if only for the mental effect it would have on the squad that their supposed marquee talent, their World Cup winner, their captain at the start of the season, is then basically sold two games into it. Yeah, look, and, as well as that, any momentum, it's destroyed. Paul Pogba is basically a cow to Ed Woodward. He milks him commercially as well, you know. So yeah. he, you have that part of it too, and and sadly, in in many ways, that takes priority at Manchester United. Um, yeah, the the commercial growth and how things run commercially, because if it didn't. And um, you can be sure more of an attempt would have been made this summer to close that gap with Ban City. Like, 19 oh, exactly. points is not something that I can see bridged in one season. It's something you have to no. work on and, and, and hope that City weaken. They, they, they've kept the core of their team, they've added Mares. Yeah. So, it's still pretty much a, a very, very, very strong unit. Um, but with this Pogba situation, Raman, do you fear that if, if, if it continues, um, that it could breed maybe throughout the dressing, that Mourinho could have more of a of a problem on his hands? And, and also, how, how do you think Mourinho 
is going to react to these alleged quotes because Mourinho is someone too that has, has always had power. Um, power is a big thing as a manager. When a player starts flexing his muscles, a manager has to do something. And I'm kind of intrigued to see this week in the in the pre-match press conference whether Mourinho, when he's asked, because he will be asked about it, how he hits back. Well, the thing is this, Dale. It's always a two-way thing here, isn't it, really? Um, I don't think it's completely and utterly Mourinho's fault, and I don't think it's completely and utterly Pogba's fault. Sometimes in any in any walk of life, any sort of job that you have, you can have a clash of personalities, egos, whatever you want to call it. The reality is Paul Pogba is, on his day, undoubtedly the best midfielder in the world when he wants to turn it on. He can turn it on and he can do everything. There's nothing he can't do. You know, he can, he can attack, he can defend, tackle, head, do everything. Sometimes your own attitude and application towards whether it's training, whether it's games or whatever, can affect things. And of course, when you have certain people around you, i.e. Mina Royola, you know, it can affect how you how you might want to change the course of your career. Mm. Jose has always been a serial winner where obviously he's won lots and lots of things. But I don't think he probably realised just how difficult it might be as a tenure as a Manchester United manager, especially under the Glazers slash Woodward. Yeah. Now, I'm pretty sure there's a bit of a, a power st- struggle thing here going on, which, in all fairness, maybe if, if Jose had got his wish and he'd got one or two particular players in that he wanted, uh, and going back to buy, the Boy and Lindelof thing, I actually still think that United are missing a leader at the back. So, of course, if if, this, if those rumours are true and Pogba's saying, you know, what I'd like to say, I could get fined, we don't know exactly what he's on about, these cryptic messages or whatever, but it is a two-way thing and very much so of the opinion that actually maybe Jose might just want to just, just put an arm around Pogba a little bit. But then again, we don't know behind the scenes if he's actually tried to do that and actually it hasn't been reciprocated. So it's very, very difficult to pass comment and judgment to say mm. how... But what I would say is that you've got a player here who on his day is the best in the in the business, in his position. But you've also got a manager here who after last season will not, under any circumstances, want Manchester City to run away with the title the way they did. Yeah. No, you know, in, partic- in particular with Guardiola in charge... I mean, does anybody in their right frame of mind really think Jose doesn't want to win things at Manchester United? He 100% wants to. Obviously, he's restricted. Obviously, there's there's things that he's not happy with. Players' performances, their attitudes. Let's not forget, at training, it's very, very different, isn't it? You know, I mean, anybody who's done any sort of coaching or training and had run teams, whether it's Sunday League, whether it's in tournaments, will tell you what goes on in training it's very different to match days. Well, I, I, I tell you, Ramon, break, breaking news that um, tonight I'm coaching for the first time. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I come back next week and I'll um, give you an update on that. Um, any kind of any rips within the squad? <laughs> but, <laughs> Brilliant. But 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 you what you'll see, Dale. I mean, for example, if you are on a serious night, you know, if you're coaching for the first time ever tonight, you know. It's it's very very different. Everybody has different learning styles, don't they? I mean, not everybody uh, can be shouted at. Not everybody can be cajoled in a certain way. 
you know, they all have different learning styles and learning methods and everybody has different teaching methods. And that's the beauty of, of obviously when you're coaching, you'll see that yourself tonight. Pogba, in my opinion, he can do what he wants with his hairstyles or anything. I don't really yeah. mind. I don't really Compares. care. If he, if, he, if he turns up and performs, fantastic. More importantly, to be a rounded p- player and a person, off-field, you are the company you keep. You know, you are the company you keep generally, aren't you really, even in any walk of life? So if he's listening to a little bit too much to his agent, who has clearly, by the way, said on record several times, my objective as an agent is to get the best deal for my players. And if it means they move on every three, four years, then so be it. Yeah. You no, know, look, so, that, no, 100%. Nay and head in that. But as well as that, look, I don't believe either that Rayola, who, look, he's clearly, he is one of the best agents in the world, whether Ferguson calls him a shitbag or not. He, he, oh, yeah. he, he makes, his, he makes his, his, his clients happy. But... An agent of Riola will, will not work, will not try and force a move for Pogba unless Pogba tells him he's he's keen on the move, you know. So, and and that, that's something too that we, we don't really know what's going on there. Um, all we know is Pogba's clearly not happy. Um, so, so just a quick fire round before we go into preview and Brighton, because we have lots of questions to get through. Quick fire round, Jonathan Pogba, will he leave? before the European transfer window shuts? Yes, no. Johnny? For a minute, feel that from the start of the 1920 season, he's still going to be here. He'll be gone next summer, but we'll still get him for this season. And do you think it'll be his last season? Yeah. Because I think basically... I mean, obviously, he's won the two cups at United, but prior to that, he went to Italy, dominated there with France. He got to the European Championships. He just won the World Cup. He's a lad that is driven to win. And right now, he's at a club where, you know, anyone can see we are years behind City. He's not going to want to spend the rest of his prime years watching the neighbours walk away with everything when he can then like just say no do you know what Real Barcelona I'm coming and he will go there and he will add yet more medals to that amazing trophy cabinet he's already got I do think those years that were away from City will be narrowed when Guardiola eventually leaves oh yeah yeah once he and his let's say fitness regime Leave Manchester, um, then yeah. Let's not let's not get into that fitness regime. Just just yeah, just yet. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we we'll leave the Telegraph the investigative <laughs> journalists open up on that yeah. one. Um, Ram, yeah. quick one. Yes, no. Will Pogba be here at the end of the month? Yeah, I think he'll still be here. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. So we'll um we'll, we'll get into the quick preview for for Brighton. I, I believe you're you're going on the the away trip, um, Ramon. Yes, a bit of a distance, but uh, looking forward to it. To be fair, um, hope the uh, hope the game's better than last season. <laughs> <laughs> How are you getting there? Uh, I'm actually going on a, on one of the coaches, one of the supporters' coaches. So uh, it a bit of fun and frolics, I'm sure, on the way. Fantastic. Oh, so the Brighton are going into the game after losing to Watford 2-0 last week, game week one, and still in search of their first goal 
of the competitive season. Um, and we expect, of course, that the same defensive partnership of Bali and Lindelof um, will be selected. The Will they get the first goal of the season, Jonathan, or are you confident of a clean sheet for the Gea he didn't get one the first week? Um, I'm, I'm confident that if if I had to put money on the game where Dave's going to get his first clean sheet, it would be this one. Um, because it's not that Brighton are a poor side, but at the same time, they've not ever or regularly played in a way where their attacking style terrifies me. So I think if we go there with any level of organisation and actual plan to attack, it could be one of those games where I'm not suggesting a route, but certainly more comfortable than the opening game was. Yeah, I suppose until you have Glenn Murray up top, um, he's going to be a real target man. So it'll be interesting how Lindelof yeah. kind of deals with that kind of, as I mentioned, it, it was, the can certainly give Murray some credit for the fact that with the experience of just playing the game that he has and his ability without any great pace to constantly sort of find that space in which he can be a danger, that will sort of maybe pose questions to the lads that Friday night didn't. But again, hopefully it's another test that they can successfully pass. Yeah, and he was uh, he actually had to recover from a knock as well last week. Um, yeah. So he, he wasn't 100%. So again, I, I do think that duel between Murray and her two and a half would, would be intriguing to see how, how, how they improve on maybe last week's performance against Leicester if they can do that. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts I mean, on we... Brighton... Ramon, is there any kind of other players bar Murray being a target man that, that, that you'd point out or do you see this being kind of a, a neat, well it wasn't an easy trip last year but an easy trip this year Well I think uh, obviously last year the, the 1-0 reverse I think it's Pascal Gross wasn't it who scored the winner uh, for Brighton last year, that, that was extremely disappointing um, I suppose opening day defeats uh, can dent obviously confidence uh, just as much as opening day victories can can increase the confidence. I think what I'd like to see, if I'm honest with you, is for United to probably worry a little bit less about Brighton and what they might pose as a threat to ourselves, and and actually almost let the forwards off the leash a little bit and just say go yeah. out there, play, enjoy, attack. You know, a little bit more back to the style that really we should be used to as United fans. Mm. Because for me, I don't buy into the, the, the argument that uh, our players aren't good enough. And the reason being, and to be fair, I'm going to stick up for Marcus Rashford a lot here because I know there's a lot of people criticising but he's not, you know, he can't play up there to, up top on his own. He kind of, look, let's be honest, there's very few forwards in the world that can play up top on their own. The problem I think that United have had over the last couple of years is that any forward, whether it's Lukaku, whether it's Rashford, whether it's Martial or or Sanchez, if your teammates are good 20 yards away from you, 15, 20 yards away from you, and you'll, yeah. you'll see what I'm saying later on, Dale, when you're doing your coaching, if you've got so much gap between whether it's your forward line, whether it's your attacking midfield, or whether that link-up play is vital. Now, if we can just close those gaps, narrow those gaps a lot more, 
whoever's up top, whether it's Rashford, whether it's Lukaku, and I'm pretty sure he'll probably go for Lukaku. That's just my feeling. Um, although, by the way, I think it's interesting that, and I'm glad that Rashford's got the number 10 shirt because that gives me a bit more hope that Rashford will get more game time, um, even more sort of starts, hopefully. But whoever's up top, I'd like to see us actually attack them and let yeah. them worry about us and not be too concerned about whether it's Anthony Knockhart, whether it's Glenn Murray, whoever's whoever's their danger man. Well, actually, we've got plenty of danger men ourselves. I like the idea that, that that against Leicester we had Pogba, Pereira and Fred because I thought the mobility in midfield was much better. Yeah. In fact, if I'm honest with you, I actually thought uh, out of all of those, Pogba was probably the weaker at the midfielders, although everything I read was that he was immense. Um, I, I thought Fred had a great debut and I can't I wait to see Fred him. Was yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He was tenacious in his tackling. He was energetic. He wanted to keep the ball moving forward quickly. And that's the thing as, at United as well. The last few years, we're so slow at passing the ball around to each other that, you know, ball retention, great. But in terms of moving forward in the final third, we are so slow and predictable. Unbelievable. The gaps that we leave are just shocking at times. Um, and that's where I'm quite excited to see Fred and Pereira in particular. And let's face it, when, you, when you're playing with a fellow countryman, it's a bit easier to settle in as yeah. well. And I think, that, I think that was quite noticeable off the field as well for Fred, um, obviously having Pereira there. So I'm quite excited, to be fair, to see um, in terms of the, the link-up play, how we can, how we can you know, affect Brighton and, and let them worry about us more than us worrying about their danger, man. And as well as that, when you're on about the Rashford thing, playing up top alone, um, since he's come into the first team, it's rarely been the case that he's been the main man up top alone up front. He's often played out wide on the left, and rarely a time on the right. But the the point they're making there is, if you want to see Rashford as best alone up top, you mentioned the, dip, the the distance between the players behind them and stuff. And that's valid. Again, consistency. Give them a kiss, consistent run the team because you can't expect yes. the player to come come in off, come in out wide for every game every now and again and lift up trees. That doesn't happen. And and then no. when, and imagine when a player doesn't do that straight away when he when he does score a hat trick. You're on, people are on Twitter bashing them straight away. It doesn't matter who it is. There's no player gets away with it, and it's it's ridiculous. You know, you can't expect someone to to change a position for one game and hit the ground running. It has to be something that over time that he builds on, and people forget how young he is. He's still developing his game. Um, Absolutely. You know, and it's so so easy so easy to to forget that because yeah. they're Manchester United players. We're expecting the best the whole time, but like. With a bit of caution, when it comes to a young player, let the player breathe a small bit. Let the yeah. player make mistakes. It's going to happen. We'll see those results in the coming years when that player develops, hopefully, and he's still a man yeah. player. I think my frustration for the lad is, you look at certain points last season, like Liverpool at home, the most perfect setup I can remember us having in like the entire last season. We know that Lukaku can boss whichever of their defenders is going to come up against him. He's going to win anything that's in the air. And when he does, he knows that if he knocks it to the flank that Rashford's coming in off, Rashford will do serious damage. And we win the game through that. 
So you find a way of utilising the best skills of your two main attacking threat, and then I, I can't even count on two fingers the amount of times we tried that again after that game. So it's like even when he seems to find a way of really tapping into the talent of players, there's no attempt to continue it or build on it. It's like, well, yeah, that will Liverpool. We'll try something different against. And it just seems to be that there's no sort of continuity. There's no attempt to build on something that worked well. It just sort of goes back to the drawing board and suddenly, yeah, you've got him out on the right again, but he's not getting the ball the way that he's got it and used it successfully before. He's getting massive long passes out there that he's then got to bring down three defenders in front of him and his nearest teammate, like you say, he's 15, 20 yards away. That's not his skill set. That's not how you make the most of what that lad can do. Yeah, and the other, and, and sorry, sorry to interrupt. So, uh, I was going to say, just pointing out. I know you mentioned it earlier on Mata and Damian were poor, but if you notice the time where Mata was more effective in the second half, in particular against Leicester, he had to keep coming inside. We clearly aren't playing with natural wingers. That's a bit obvious. Yeah. You know, we, we just haven't really got a natural winger. To, wingers, yeah, yeah, we've got none. So you've got an abundance of players who are either number 10s, nine and a halfs, nines. You've got abundance of those with zero wingers. So when somebody's asked to play on the right or the left, whether it's Matter, whether it's Lingard, Rashford, doesn't matter, Martial... That's why those spaces in between are much more critical to be reduced because these players thrive on moving the ball quickly, a one-two, you know, uh, give and goes, all those. How often do we see that? How often do we see, you know, Rashford last year, you just mentioned about against Liverpool, he had a storm of large parts of that game because he pinned their right back right in his own half. He didn't let him... He didn't let him come out. I think he may have possibly one or two attacks. I don't know. But yeah. he made sure that he was on him all the time. Now, that's that's something that's OK against, say, Liverpool and maybe against City or whatever. But, but again, you've got to make sure that whatever your plan of action is going to be, you've got to, you've, you've got to have the right personnel. Yeah. And I, and I do think we're not only have we missed a trick by not getting a centre-off who is a leader at the back, we certainly missed a trick about trying to find the right winger. No, look, or, it, it's, it, it's, it's something that the club need to, need to address, and I thought they would in the summer, but obviously we, we didn't deliver at all in the summer, really. No. Um, Fred's obviously go capture. Can't wait to see Dalot and Lee Grant. Um, not sure how much we'll see of him, but yeah. um, that's it, really. I want to spend... A nice chunk of time answering some of the questions because there's a lot there. So just another quick um, question for the two of you. Um, Ramon, first scoreline prediction for for um, Brighton away. This is the part that I don't like because I don't like predictions. <laughs> Do you think we win? You, 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 are you confident about a win? We'll just say yes. Okay, <laughs> no, no. To be fair, I do think we'll win. I, I do think we'll win. I think it'd be closer than people might think, okay. um, but I think we'll win. I think he'll be very pragmatic being away from home, but I think we'll 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 snatch a bit. Jonathan, how about you? Um, yeah, I'll go United two one again because I can see it being very similar to Leicester. Get two 0 up, and rather than go 
for anything extravagant, try and sit the game out and just manage to give something away late on that causes us far, far more panic than we should have had throughout the game when yeah, I'm going to go United Trina. Um, a bit more confident than last yeah. week. I think I, pre- I actually predicted a draw last week. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go United Trina this week, and I think Lukaku will be amongst the goal scorers. So, yeah. into the questions, we've got a shit ton this week. Um, <laughs> I've been asking the listeners from last week to send questions in since the, the previous recording, and I put a tweet out this morning which got a response from a massive Liverpool blog named Empire the Cop um, which is led to about 110 replies and Liverpool fans all screaming for Mino, for Mino, for Mino he asked would you swap Lukaku for Mino obviously it's a bit of a piss take um, but Liverpool fans are weighing on it my view on that is for Mino fits the Liverpool system perfectly he, I don't, I, I don't necessarily think he be, he would fit Mourinho's system, at all. Um, yeah. Our wingers don't play the same way as their wingers do, and Salah gets, or Firmino gets the the best out of the likes of Salah and Mane. You put Lukaku into that, he's a much better finisher, much better finisher for Firmino. He's never no striker. So to answer the question, no, I, I wouldn't swap um, Lukaku for Firmino, but. I can see why Liverpool fans are adamant about Firmino because he fits their system so well. Um, how about you, Ramon? Do you think that you'd swap Lukaku for Firmino? Uh, well, first I'm going to apologise for boring you guys again and making the same points again. But unfortunately, I think they are a bit relevant and pertinent to the question that you posed. Firmino is a, he's, he's a classic nine and a half, as we sort of like now call it. And I know you're probably thinking, what the hell is a nine and a half for? For for Firmino, he's almost like a cheat centre forward at times. With great which, teeth. Yeah. <laughs> which, which obviously suits their system well. And remember, I was saying about the cohesiveness between the front three, for example. Hmm. You've got Firmino, Salah, and Mane, out of which I would probably say the closest as a centre forward, as an out and out centre forward, is probably Mane. Because I wouldn't even say Salah's an out and out centre forward either. But they play that system well because they link up well together, mm. smaller gaps. Okay, You've got Lukaku, who is much more of a target man and used much more of a target man. If he had somebody a bit closer to him, for me, the argument would be blown out of the water and everybody would be saying Lukaku. Why? Because I think he would get a lot more goals. By the way, he got a great number of goals last year, but I actually think he'd get even more if he had somebody closer to him or he had wingers. Oh, yeah. Or he had wingers that can actually put the ball where he wants it and yeah. where a striker needs it. So it's a bit of a difficult argument to sort of nail and say, right, all day long I'd have Lukaku. Because again, like you've just alluded to, Dale, you've said that the system that they play suits Firmino. Correct. The system that uh, Jose plays, he may not, you might not find Firmino would do so well. The system that Klopp plays, you probably find Lukaku wouldn't do so well. So it's a difficult sort of answer to give outright. Depends on your group of players you've got, the style that you want to play. Do you want a target man? Do you want almost like a no number nine and you've got three nine and halves or tens? How do you want to do it? You know, are they quick enough? Are they nimble enough? 
to be fair, credit where it's due, and I, and I hate giving credit where it's due to Liverpool, but let's be real. Firmino is an intelligent footballer. Yeah. Okay? He picks up great positions. He links up well with, obviously, Salah and, and Mane in particular. For me, I would choose Lukaku as a long-term simply because I think that his game intelligence has improved, by the way, and I think he can improve even more yeah, depending no, on who has that's, that's my honest opinion. And as a finisher, I agree, Dale. Um, you know, if I was given the choice, I would go for Lukaku. But there's no denying, by the way, Firmino's finishes, some of those finishes have been top quality. You know, so sometimes you have to give credit, even with gritted teeth, than, than, you know, to the opposition. Firmino is obviously a very efficient, effective player, Jonathan. Um, and as we alluded to, yeah. that he fits into this Liverpool system perfectly. And I think he'd probably get yeah. into the, the City team, um, maybe not as well, but pretty well anyway but yeah. do you think Firmino would fit into any other Premier League team whereas Lukaku I think which there's not many teams I would say no to him you know like, no, I, I think that, that pretty much sums it up perfectly that for me you can put Lukaku in any team in the league and he is going to score you frequently and prolifically if mm. I can actually speak like if, if this question was asked to me would you swap Lukaku for Harry Kane. My answer would be no. Um, well, no, because we, we don't get nearly enough penalties for Kane to actually... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I accept Harry Kane is exceptional up there, the best striker in the league, maybe even in Europe. But I, I just... Something that Raman said, that when Lukaku came, the progression he made last season... and. Oh yeah, his game intelligence, his all round game was just so superb. How good is he going to be in two years' time, three years' time? Exactly. You know? I mean, I I can't shake that memory of coming from behind against Chelsea with him getting the equaliser and setting up the winner, and that run late on where it's stoppage time and he's gone past five or six of them with just sheer power and pace and left them just reeling. Mm. in his path and yeah ideally you've got like that Van Nistel Roy type scenario where it's just a cool compose finished in the bottom corner 3-1 thank you very much but for the most part it's the fact that he's just taken the momentum out of Chelsea ran the ball down there and, and when the second's the go they've got to start again from there yeah. but like you say that intelligence to do that is something that Lukaku of 12 months ago might not have had he might have beat the first one and then been locking up for a shirt to get the ball to but no he's <laughs> now <laughs> developing these instincts of how to use his strength to benefit Dude, there's the something game. really satisfying though isn't there with seeing someone no matter if it's a player from your U team or a player you spend multi-millions on yeah develop and, and to continue yeah. progression and the, the development Absolutely. he I mean, last I, season was unreal I, I feel for the lad because he had a very prolific season. But can you imagine how prolific he would have been if we actually had a single player in that squad that could just cross a ball? Cross his legs? I, I just... I, I still have flashbacks to that cup final and the amount of times that Pogba was putting full-backs in behind entire area to aim at and it's just a throw into Chelsea at the end of it and it's just like 
you know, here's a guy who you put him a ball in that area, anywhere that he can attack, and he is going to burst the net with it. Yeah. And there's nothing for him to attack because everything is five yard over his head, three yard behind him, or just hitting the first man. And well, don't, you don't look forget, at, fellas. Re- Sorry. I don't just think when you look at how many he managed to score last season while having so little actual service to work on. It's remarkable what he managed to do. No, look, it's it, it, what, he, what he's doing and what he's going to do this season is going to stun people even even more. Um, well, we are pushed for time, so we're going to go yeah. through more questions um, and be smaller, quicker with them. The first one from Dennis Fahey, uh, or Desi Fahey even. Does a sporting director potentially potential appointment mean Joe's tenure is coming to an end? Um, is this a complete club restructure for next season potentially? Um, Raman, do you think that a director of football could put more pressure and even end Mourinho's reign as manager? Um, not necessarily that particular role. I think that uh, I think there's a bigger picture be, you know, behind it all. Actually, I think that it's a it's a ploy from the powers above Jose to potentially ease him out and, uh, and and look to get in a replacement that can work alongside a director of football. And, I'd, and I'll be honest with you, I think that um, that for many people who have been critical of Jose, and of course his style of play hasn't been what most people want and what most fans want, one thing's for sure though, he's, he's now starting to just make people realise that you know what people have been complaining about? The Glazers, Woodward, etc. Well, guess what? I'm now suffering that sort of uh, yeah. experience. And yeah. he's just slowly, slowly, slowly uncovering what most people do know. That actually the problem isn't all just Jose completely. It's above. So yeah. actually it's a bit of a, a bit of a clever ploy by his, his bosses to, to ease him out the door gently and say, Come in, Mr. Zidane, or come in, Mr. Whoever it might be, and work alongside a director of football. Because let's let's be honest, Sir Alex didn't really need a director of football, did he? Did it all himself? No. Yeah. So over the years, you see, with director of football, it's a, it's a funny one because everybody jumps on a bandwagon once there's one or two teams that have been successful with it. Not every club needs a director of football, and if there is one, it depends on the relationship he has with the manager and I say he you know it could be a she but generally it's a he but you know whatever the relationship with the manager is has to be absolutely transparent absolutely transparent so I'm pretty sure if there is going to be one Jose will have a small say but I wouldn't be surprised if, if all this is being done without his blessings anyway just on that before we jump to the next question remember reporting on it when we kind of we had a fair idea that Mourinho was going to replace Van Gaal. There was yeah. also whispers that United were really considering a director of football. Manchi was mentioned, but what was also mentioned was that they were sounding out Mendes to um, to basically look into it as well to help them to find the right fit for Mourinho. So so yeah. when when they were doing this restructure, Mourinho was at hand too. They they were keeping him in mind. So. I'm not sure this means that Mourinho's gone. I do think it put pressure on Mourinho though because if a director of football comes in and he's been asked to, to lead the club in a new direction with a style of football and stuff, 
that yeah. need, that needs to be taken into account. And if Mourinho is not not delivering a style of football or the methods that this director of football wants, you're going to have issues there, and he, he he'll pull the plug if if needs be. Um, yeah. That leads on to the next question, and it was mentioned briefly by Varane is Zidane. So, Jordan, um, Darren Russell has asked, if Zidane is interested, would you bring him in next summer? And that's become from the Queep as well, the, or maybe that's the wrong pronunciation of the, the French yeah. outlet. But they're, they're reporting that today. Um, would you take him in next summer? Um, um, no, to be honest. You can't argue with a guy who's basically won three back-to-back European Cups. That sounds amazing. But when you look at the absolute mind-boggling luck they've had at key moments in key games as they've gone through the knockout stages, I'm not saying that the guy is incapable of doing his job, but the only lucky experience that Real was good just so many times where at key moments in extra time where the game could have got away from them they just happened to score one that's like four yeah, yards offside that, that, was, was that due to due to tactical um, tactics or was it due to Cristiano Ronaldo a lot of time you know Juventus exactly. stuff I mean, and again, Carabale and you know they, they're, they're players that that are cost big money because they stand up in big games and, and create big moments yeah and I, I think that's that's kind of nicely launched me into the best way to summarise it. That when you look at what he achieved, he achieved because he was looking after the side that had incredible talents like Cruz and Modric and Bale and Ronaldo and even Benzema when he had his odd spell of actually not being shit. These are players that can, on big nights, deliver big performances that get you over the line. For him to come and try and achieve the same kind of results at United where he's not got the same quality or quantity of match winner that he can turn to on those tight nights where it's one or ten minutes left, how do I change this? He's not got the same options here that he had there. So, just for me personally, I don't see him being a man who can just with his sheer knowledge and ability and instinct in the job do the things that would make a difference. Um, last question. I'm going to pose it to Raman. It's from me, Witty, on Twitter. Um, regarding Andres Pereira, and it's a player you mentioned when we started the podcast, um, does Matic walk straight back into the team when fit? And with this one, it's something really key that you said at the start was how quick Pereira played passes and how quick it, it built up attacks. Although the attackers didn't deliver, um, it was a positive sign. And Matic isn't as fast And when it comes to that. And it might take away something from how we are going forward. Um, so should Matic walk straight back into the team, Ramon, or, or, or do you like the difference in Pereira and how, I suppose, more kind of attacking we look when he plays? I think the key thing is that uh, uh, not well, hardly any player should be able to just be granted, yeah. uh, you know, to be walking straight back into the team uh, just like that at a drop of a hat. Personally, I absolutely love Matic. I think his his attitude towards the game, uh, his demeanour on the field is superb. Absolutely, you know, first class. And remember, this is a guy who actually 
said to Jose himself, he wants to join Manchester United primarily because of Jose as well. So, you know, there's a guy here who clearly wanted to play for the manager and the club, and he knows yeah. the size of the club. And, of course, he does a tremendous job, you know, 99% of the time. Does he walk straight back into the team? Well, do we really need him to walk straight back into the team just yet? Not the fixtures that we got coming up, the fixtures that we've got coming up, but they are all absolutely, in, in my eyes, winnable games full stop. Uh, and I'm including Tottenham in that as well, you know. So, do we really need him to walk straight in? Probably not, you know. I mean, give the guy a bit of time, breathing space after the World Cup. You know, he's he's had a, a very long season last season where he played majority of the games, which he started, you know, not necessarily off the bench either. Um, and the role that he'd done last season, I could see by around about March time that actually he was he was almost struggling at times where because he, the distance he had to cover, because the role he had to do, I think he looked shattered. And to be fair, when, when he played in the World Cup, I have to say I was very impressed how much energy he showed. So we don't need to rush him back. You know, I'm pretty confident that we can still get the job done against the teams that we've got in the next five, six matches to be able to come away with three points in every single one of those. Pereira is a very, very intelligent footballer. You know, and he's somebody who hasn't just joined um, all of a sudden wants to make an impression because he's new to the club. He's been at the club for how many years? You know, uh, what I am surprised at, and I'm pleasantly surprised, at how he's adjusted to that number six role because I've never seen Andres Pereira as, as a future number six for United, you know, in that holding midfield role. But did he shirk out of tackles? No. Did he keep the, the, the midfield trio closely knit? Yes. Did he shield the back four? Yes. Did he do his job? Yes. You know, did he set up attacks and break attacks? Yes. So he ticks all the boxes in my eyes. Why do we need to rush Matic back? We don't need to yet. There's a long season ahead, plenty of games ahead. Matic will be absolutely invaluable for us when it comes to some of the big games as well. Um, I'd have no hesitation in letting him have another week or two's rest. Let him relax. Let him just take his time, ease himself back into it because no doubt he will still be a big player for us in the season ahead. Absolutely, you've hit the nail yep. on the head in that one. Um, so, just a final question, Michael Jordan's given it a kind of a random one. We always have a something funny or different on the podcast every week. Um, Jonathan, we can ask everyone this one. Your favourite biscuit? Oh, um, the bourbon, every time. Bourbon, okay. And ramen? Um, uh, the Cadbury's chocolate shorties. <laughs> I, do, I do like a chocolate digestive myself and dip it into my tea um, so on that note I'm going to ask you all just to, to give, give your social media accounts a mention so people can follow and as well as that keep an eye out for our tweets during the week to ask for questions for next week's podcast we didn't get through them all this week so I'm going to pick um, about three or four and we'll spend more time answering them next week because we're after going over the, the hour mark now so um, Jonathan, how can people follow you? Not in real life, but on social media. Yeah, because um, in real life I don't do anything worth following, to be honest. <laughs> um, on Twitter they can find us as Beardmong, because I've still not found an actual name worth having. <laughs> Straightforward. Um, and Ramin, you mentioned at the start, we have to give it another shout-out. Yeah, no problems. Uh, at Roman7Paul on the Twitter and Instagram. Um 
sometimes you might see some music related tweets so apologies in advance but most of them are football related so uh, so I hope they're of interest we might see a few biscuit updates during the week on Twitter with uh, mugs of tea um, any, any <laughs> thanks for thanks for listening hopefully United get all three points again this week and continue a, a good start to the season um, hopefully a better performance of course on the road Brighton have yet to um, score a goal in Premier League this season it's only started but still hopefully to get that clean sheet thanks for listening and we'll yep. see you again next week Still Giggs goes, he's through, he's scored! Ryan Giggs, he's at the goal that's won it for Manchester United! To the left, right footed, it's a clear header, and it's in the middle left! Solskjaer has won the European Cup for Manchester United! Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.